Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome to episode number 13 of Tell Me Your Tales. This week's episode is with elite distance runner Nick Earle. Nick is a pretty amazing runner. He's got some pretty swift PBs over 3K, 5K, 10K and the half marathon. Yet to run a marathon yet and I'm pretty sure that we talk about that in this conversation today. Um, This was actually the second interview I ever recorded back about three months ago. Nick and I were both racing the Run the Bridge 10k down in Hobart and we were on the same flight coming home and had a bit of time to kill during the day and um, we were over at Andy Allison's house and he was kind of looking after us with a bit of a place to chill out and, and took us to a good breakfast spot and a good lunch spot and a good beer spot actually on that day and um, yeah we just ran the mic for an hour and had a bit of a chat about all things running and weather and training and yeah there's some really good um, pieces of wisdom in this chat and especially advice about training and, and health we spoke about having low iron and some of the ups and downs that Nick's had in his running career thus far um, Really grateful for Nick for giving up a bit of his time to have this chat and also, as I mentioned, Andy for putting us up in his house to be able to have this chat. Um, Yeah, and it was good just to sit down and, I don't know, you'll probably be able to tell that I hadn't done many interviews at that stage um, when I was recording this because it was pretty pretty raw and it was just yeah a bit of a conversation i don't think both of us knew what we were doing but that's okay and that's probably uh exactly what i want to share with you in this show today um i'll play that in a second how cold is it it's uh wednesday when i'm putting this out tonight and i've just got home from just a easy 14k jog and it was about eight degrees so um a bit of a shock to the system i think it was just a week or two ago that i was saying how good the weather was pretty much hitting mid-20s, high-20s most days of the week with some good sunshine and yeah, it's um, daylight savings is over and it's cold and it's wet and it's windy and um, yeah, it's probably perfect marathon training weather really. So um, yeah, straight into that. Last weekend I had a race down in Bendigo, well, kind of in Bendigo, just near Bendigo. It was the Axdale to Heathcote 26k trail um, race so started in Axdale obviously and went to Heathcote which is 26k along a rail trail so a bit of a kind of loose gravel dirt surface most or all the way pretty much other than crossing a couple of roads um, yeah it was weird 26k is a really weird distance to race it was um, yeah it was kind of one of those distances where I don't know, it just felt so much further than a half marathon. It was kind of that distance where 
when you're, I guess, hitting a bit of a wall and starting to struggle a bit in a half marathon at the, you know, 15, 16K stage, it's usually over in about 15, 16, 17 minutes. So you can kind of hang on. But when I was starting to get pretty heavy at 15K in this race, it was really tough to kind of stay motivated knowing that I still had um, 11K to go. But it was good. I ran um, an hour 31, 10, I think it was. So pretty much 327, 328 kilometer pace, which was exactly what I wanted. I think I said the last week that I'd be happy with anywhere between 320s and 330s. So that was good. Got the win by about six minutes. And um, yeah, it was a fun event pretty well organized and um, it was good to be back in Bendigo to be able to do a local race. It was uh, pretty funny actually, Carly, my partner, she ran the 10K and um, we kind of worked out with the start times that we would hit the finish line at the same time if we both ran our best or kind of predicted times. And um, yeah, about 600 meters to go, I looked up and could see her about 200 meters ahead. So put in a bit of a sprint and caught her with about 100 metres to go and then uh, she dropped the hammer on me and I think we dropped down to about 3 minute K's and she, yeah, it made me work pretty hard to stay with her that last 50 metres before she realised there was a few news crews and photographers and newspapers and stuff set up there to take some photos and get a bit of footage and um, yeah, we've kind of watched ourselves on the news having a race and uh, that's been real good. Anyway, um, yeah, this week's episode with Nick Earl. Make sure you enjoy it and hit him up on social media and stuff if you want to um, say how much you enjoyed the show. As I said, he's um, a ripping athlete, hitting some awesome times at the moment. Just last week he ran 66.27 to come second down at the half marathon in Geelong and the week before that he comes second to Liam Adams which was to Liam he comes second to Liam Adams in the other race as well down in Geelong but also this time around at um, Run for Your Kids anyway enjoy this chat with Nick Earl Girl, sitting in uh, sitting in Andy Allison's beautiful dining room in Hobart, looking out the window. Sun streaming in. Perfect. Sun streaming in. <laughs> Homemade biscuits, green tea. What do you got? English breakfast. Obviously. That says a bit about you. Um, yeah, pretty good day. Let's uh, let's start off. with you want to maybe just tell us a bit about yourself? Who yeah. you are, what you do. Who am I? What do I do? So I'm a POM. Who's Nick Earl? Obviously yeah. a POM. Um, over from England to uh, do a postdoc at Melbourne Uni. What's a postdoc? Postdoc. Postdoc is uh, research. So you go you go to undergrad, you do a master's, then you end up doing a PhD if you're if you're that way inclined. So undergrad's like uni. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you go to uni, yeah. Yeah, and then you you carry on basically. I didn't want to leave uni because I started running at uni. Yeah. And that was one of the massive draws of staying at uni was running. Yeah. Because like in England, the unis you have like uh, it's called Bucks. You have British University, like cross countries and track and field and stuff, and it's such good because you'll go. Everyone in the country travels somewhere. 
Yeah. And it's just such good fun. For like nationals and stuff. For, it's like nationals, yeah. yeah. But like just for uni students and like probably Bucks Cross was the most fun nights out I've ever had. Like you got everyone running the, the sort of 10, 12K cross countries during the day and then everyone just parties at night. And it's just everyone's there from like the, the community throughout the throughout the country. And um, yeah. that was a massive draw. So I went to um, Birmingham to do my master's. So I started running when I went to Reading, which is like I was basically, I couldn't get on the football team. So you got it. Yeah, sorry, keep going. So this is how you got into the running. This is how I got into running, yeah. yeah. So I'm at uni. I uh, couldn't get in the football team. So I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? And then my twin brother, I got an identical twin brother, and he went to Exeter Uni. And he said, have you gone for a run with the running club before? Because he had a mate who did, did athletics. And he went, I went for a run with them. And they're, they're all really slow. I smashed them. <laughs> and it was just like, so I went to the running club there and was like, yeah, pretty good at this. And then uh, Smashed them? Smashed them, yeah. Not all of them? Not yeah. all of them. There, was, of them. there was a guy, Simon Rance was his name. And he, he could run under 16 minutes for 5K. I was like, oh, that is unbelievable. But um, obviously, yeah, a bit of training. And I did a half marathon Reading half marathon in uh, 80 minutes. Yep. And I, I came 96th out of 13,000, and I was like, I hadn't done any training. So about four minute Ks, a bit quicker, 345, 350s? Yeah, 350. Yeah. yeah. So run that, just ran out of nowhere. The, my longest run before that was about five miles, so eight Ks. Yep. And I'm running 21 Ks, and like, yeah, coming top 100 in a big half marathon. So how old were you then? So I was like 22, I think. What about through school and stuff? Like you never showed any signs of being a good runner? Did Did you have to do like school cross country, like that compulsory stuff at school? No, the thing about English, uh, well, state schools in England is that you basically just, the PE teacher just give you a football and you go out on the field. And we loved it because I'm massive. massive, Everyone loves football. So all the boys playing football, girls netball pretty much. And then they're just like, right, off you go, see you later, see you in an hour. Yeah. And then off we'd go and like, um, but in middle school we had a PE teacher who was into cross country. So I'd do some cross country at middle school when I was about like eight to 12 or whatever. And I was pretty good at it, not amazing. Um, and then never even knew about running clubs existed. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, it took going to Reading Uni as an undergrad, trying to get in the football team and then thought, I might as well give running a go. Because um, it was always my best attribute playing football was the fitness. So the coach would be like, go on, Nick, you just keep going. Just yeah. keep going. Wear them down, wear them down. I'd be like, oh, yeah, I can do that. As soon as I got the ball, that's when the problem started. Yeah. So what, you were just running up and down. <laughs> I was just like, running up and down. Making tiring them... people out. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so just just keep running. Don't pass to Nick. Just pretend you're going to pass to him, you know. Keep him running around. So I was like, just cut out this this kick in the ball malarkey. Just, uh, just get on with the running. Yeah. So. Did that and then um and then so I didn't want to leave university so I was looking up good running unis basically for, yeah. to do a masters and it just so happened that uh, I was really into my meteorology yeah and then um it so is that up, what you studied at so I did geography at um for undergrad yeah and then I did this meteorological module within and that was my favorite within that and it was my favorite module so and how like, long was that like that three-year course three-year yeah. course yeah and then I'd, I'd probably run about two or three times a week nothing yeah. major but i started doing some sessions with reading athletics club yeah and sort of it was simple as we'd always do mile reps on a tuesday every tuesday how many sort of um how many was it four mile reps yeah. off like three minutes or yeah. something and um i remember getting them under six minutes and being really happy with that yeah. 
Um, and then 400s on, 10 by 400s off two minutes or something on a Thursday, and then nothing pretty much for the rest of the week. Yeah. And I, and I started getting some runs in. I was probably doing about 20 miles a week. Yeah. yeah. Right, I mean, what's that? It goes 30Ks a week yeah. or something. And I got my time, got, yeah. got my time down to um, 16.15 for the 5K. Yeah. And then I started sort of thinking, oh, I'm like, actually getting into this now. So it so happened that one of the about five unis that did a master's in meteorology and climatology was Birmingham University. And that's like the one of the top three for running in the UK. So it's just absolutely massive, massive club. So going from Billy Big Balls in, in Reading, Reading Uni, even at the best and not having to train much. And then suddenly I'm in Birmingham where I'm just like one of the, the pack. And like some of the, the boys at the front, this guy, John Pepper, I remember running, he was running around, sort of around 14 minutes for five. Couldn't believe it. I didn't know how that was possible. And then like, you know, and just surrounded by, it's kind of like going up to Falls Creek. You're just yeah. surrounded by all these people. And I was enjoying the course, going into doing the meteorology and then doing lots of running. Um, and then I didn't want that to end. So I then started um, looking for a job and stuff and working out what to do. So I went home to Norwich. Yeah, how far was this like from, yeah, how far did you have to travel to go to this uni? Oh, from Birmingham. Home, Birmingham's Birmingham only about one hundred and fifty miles, so yeah. two hundred and fifty k's. It's not. It's, so you were still within your comfort zone a bit. It wasn't like you were. You, know, you could go home if there was an emergency or see family at Christmas time. And yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not like Australia. Like yeah. it's so easy to get everywhere. You know, you you moan if a race was like three hours away. You're like, are you kidding? You know, like. But here, that's just you know, for you yeah. living in Chuka. Yeah. Yeah, coming down to Melbourne, that's about three hours, isn't it? Yeah, kind of. It's pretty much two and a half hours to the airport. So yeah, if you okay. go via Bendigo, which I usually do to pick some people up or jump oh, in a yeah. carpool there, which just makes it easy to have people around. Yeah, three hours. Um, so but, you pretty much get anywhere in England in that time. Yeah. yeah it's it's so it's so small compared well, you to jump that. on a flight and you're kind of anywhere in Europe in that time. Like, well, exactly. Yeah. You just, you just, I'm never in the habit of it. Yeah. So, yeah, drive around England and do, do some races, but... Yeah, going back to my uni career, so I was back in Norwich and looking for a job and went to this um, weather forecasting company and they were like, the guy there who said, I can't, I can't give you a job, but I've actually got a PhD, which is, which is, uh, which is open. And I was like, oh, not really the academic type. Yeah. So I was, oh, forget it. And then a couple of weeks later, I was looking for a job. I was like, oh, there's nothing about. So what kind of job would you get? Like, what were you... I wanted to be like a weather forecaster. Yeah. Or work for a wind power company or something. You know, just uh, just, just maybe... I'd never really thought about research. So this is more operational kind of forecasting. So would you work for a company to give them the data of the weather so then they can make decisions about... Pretty much. Or you, 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 look at or... The, you look at the model outputs, which is there's, some, there's a few free... Like the U the US has a really sophisticated computer model, and they actually put out their data for free. So you need a meteorologist to interpret that data and work out what the sort of the the bad things, bad aspects of of that computer model are and what they get wrong. So you kind of need to add value and actually get the forecast out of yeah. the model, basically. So that was like, oh, that sounds like a cool job. Um, so I wanted to do that, but then I couldn't find any anything even like it around Norwich and then I thought oh, I'll just give this PhD a crack and then um, I could go back to doing the university back to uni yeah, yeah I just absolutely loved it so it's not like the US Um, you know how they got so many years of yeah no nah. compete like you can just keep being keep enrolled going. in at uni and so keep 
Yeah. There's a guy who was an um, undergrad and he won a load of Bucks medals yeah. when he was about 19 or something. He, he then started doing a PhD when he was in his mid-30s and he went back and started winning Bucks medals again. He's just racing 19 yeah, exactly. kids and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. yeah, it's funny, but... Um, yeah, so I was, oh, I was loving that and getting research is perfect for running because if it's going to rain later or something, it doesn't matter because you can do your research whenever, yeah. whenever it suits you. So I'm not a morning person, so I get up at like 9.30 Yeah, you told me that this morning, yeah, yeah, yeah. get up at 9.30, yeah. Get up at 9.30, you know, have a leisurely breakfast, go on your run and then run into uni I usually do. So I think that's a really important point is to get, to make running like part of your life rather yeah. than... A hobby. It's not like you do your you do your day to day stuff and then you go running. If you sort of integrate it into your run, like you integrate your run into your life, like so. I'm never sat in a car. I've not once got public transport to uni. I've always run or cycle there, and that's just um, it's a really good time saver. Yeah, for sure. I can imagine living in the city as well, and you're pretty. Um, you kind of look at all the guys around our. You look at that result today. Like there's a lot of guys who would be you're rather full time runner. And you're making, you know, hard to make money, or you're kind of working and it's hard to fit in your running. Like you've kind of got a good balance of your work doesn't make you tired for running. It doesn't affect you in, you know, you can do your sessions at optimal times of the day. And yeah, exactly. Pretty good balance at the moment. You'd agree? Yeah, absolutely. It's um, I mean, I was talking to you earlier about uh, doing slightly less, going part time. Yeah. But I mean, we'll re- research is pretty much as as a good a job as you can do. And be full time yep. basically because you know you, it is so flexible. And like I quite often go in at the weekend if I haven't done enough during the week. Mm. I'll just I'll just go in if I'm not if it's raining on a Saturday. I've done my done my tempo run. I'll just go in on do just knock out a few hours work during the mm. during the weekend. So to come back from so we're talking about now in Australia working at Melbourne Uni, but how did that transition happen? So you've gone you've got this PhD because you couldn't find we got offered the PhD instead of a job. And yeah, that was over in England. Yeah, that's right. And uh, so back in Norwich, uh, back at the University of East Anglia, doing my PhD, um, really enjoyed it. Got uh, got a feel for um, academia generally, and thought this is a this is a really good career path. And then looked for postdocs, which is like doing a PhD, but you don't have to write your massive thesis at the end. Yeah. So you're basically just employed to research stuff and write papers. Yeah. Which go in scientific journals. Yeah, and it's yeah, so it's it's a really good job. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, problem is it's only short term contracts. Like my one was originally three years. It's been extended to four years. So this is to come to Australia. So to did, come to Australia, yeah. Did this get advertised? That like was this advertised somewhere or someone yeah, said on, this on, is what you can do next? It's on this website called Met Jobs, and it's all meteorology and climatology jobs go on this list. And I just I was applying for jobs in uh, like Germany, uh, in England, America, and Australia, and then the Melbourne one was the first one I got offered and I was like I'd be an idiot to turn this down like, and I was looking at all the most livable city and all that and um, yeah. yeah I was just like that's a no brainer yeah. and I actually certainly looked at the um, the athletic scene around Melbourne saw that it was really strong yeah. and I saw like some of the XCR results I think Albert Park 10k had just happened Yeah. Uh, so that would have been the 2013 Albert Park and I saw that it, it would have been one... you know, the first year they kind of went back there I think yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't. I've only known it to be yeah. at Albert Park. Before that, it was so. at Flemington, the race course there. We used to run around the Oh, park. really? And before that, it was at Sandown. Oh, Sandown, yeah. yeah. We used to do 10K around Sandown. Oh, a bit there. of hills. 
But Hills it wasn't bad though. It was good. It's Apart from the year they measured it wrong and everyone just ran massive PBs, like <laughs> come out like a hundred meters short or whatever. Oh, that sucks. It's like oh. heaps of blokes broke thirty. And yeah, yeah. So you looked up those results. That's frustrating. Yeah, and just looked at the clubs and stuff. And I saw Melbourne Uni. You know, there were sort of old people running for Melbourne Uni, and I was like, okay, I guess this isn't just for students. So, and then I looked up the website and saw that indeed it was for you know people just anyone basically mm. can join melbourne uni so i was like that's obvious i'm doing a postdoc at melbourne uni uh looked at my office where my office would be and it was it was literally it's literally 300 meters from the track so it's just perfect for training yeah you know do my run in the morning do my work during the day jog to the track do a session you know easy jog home yeah exactly yeah. job done yeah it's, it's great just just build your life around mm. your running so what about um so when you applied for that job at Melbourne Uni, like other side of the world, how old would have you been? Twenty like five. So oh no, I was um so I'm thirty two now. So I've been now. here three and a half years, so I yeah. was twenty eight. Yeah. So um yeah, that's I mean it's a it's a daunting prospect to be honest. You've got your one way ticket to Australia. It seems like very kind of that ten dollar ticket. You never holiday here or anything. Oh, I travelled here for a couple in of months. Before, yeah. Yeah, but just when you're travelling, like I, got, I don't remember most mm. most of it to be honest, because I was just drinking in hostels the whole time. Yeah. So it's just terrible, but um, yeah, I did remember liking Melbourne, so that was certainly sort of a, a draw card. But I think mainly, to be honest, like the I got offered this was the first job I've been offered, and it's like good money, and I was like, I'm gonna get paid. Can't believe it. Yeah. Like getting paid a decent salary. And then saw the running scene, so it was absolutely no brainer. Ticked all the boxes. Exactly, most livable city. All yeah. that. So I've been enjoying Hobart since being here. Yeah. So I think this may be the most livable city. If it's better than Melbourne, in my opinion. But yeah, Melbourne's bloody. They good. win that every year, though, Melbourne, don't they? Like yeah, most no. livable city. I don't know. I don't really know because we're moaning about that today. <laughs> I think it depends where you're coming from. Like yeah, it's, exactly. Yeah, there's some kind of statistics, but um, yeah, I'd take a Chukamoama over Melbourne every day of the week, and people <laughs> will probably say the same thing about whatever there hometown is as well yeah exactly so the running just progressed and you just built the life around that and got better and better and yeah well when i got when i got to australia i don't know what it was maybe my diet or something but my form just plummeted so in 2012 before moving to australia i managed to hit 14 41 for the five yeah 5k and 31 03 for the 10 would that get you to nationals no no nowhere near so I was still not, I was not on the national scene at the yeah. time, but I was I was on like this um, the British Milers Club. Yeah. It's a very good benchmark for for athletes, and it's something for those kind of that mid range to target mm. because the, the to qualify for the uh, British Milers Club, you need to run fourteen fifty five, eight thirty for three k, three fifty five for the fifteen. Yeah. So it's a much, it's a very doable target. Yeah. And whereas Nationals is, you know, sub 14, 10, I think. Okay. So I probably still wouldn't even be there. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's just that, yeah, it's just so much depth in the yeah. UK that it's, it's yeah, it's tough to get to Nationals. Big standards, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But then, yeah, so it plummeted when you got here. Yeah, so uh, um, I, I remember Shield Final 2014, it was in April 2014, and I, three years ago, and I ran 17.40 for the five. And I was like, oh, forget this. This is ridiculous. I knew training was going awful. Three minutes. Yeah, it's best. three minutes. Over five k. Absolutely awful. And I, I basically just talking to people. They're like, just go get a blood test. And I, I'd looked it up online and stuff, and it just seemed like, like to be iron deficient, 
you, I'd need to be a teenage girl, not mm. like a 30-year-old bloke. But I went to the doctors and um, the, the guy just couldn't believe that I was still, I was standing up because he said my levels were lower than he'd ever seen. So it's like, I think the range was between, of your stores, ferritin something or yeah. other it's called, it was between, it was 30 and 500, which I thought was a massive range. Yeah, because I've had mine done, I, I'll talk about it in a minute, like relatively, after Gold Coast Half Marathon last year, I same thing, got my bloods done and it was yeah. just like, yeah, mine were, yeah, I think it's 30, yeah, 30 to 500 is the healthy range. Yeah, I was five. Yeah, so I yeah. think I was like 23, like I was, yeah, yeah, you were yeah, outside low, as well. yeah. Five. Five yeah. was, and he said my my hemoglobin levels were just stupid. Yeah. Um. So I had an iron infusion. Yeah. Um. And then I remember that was um, it was Brimbank. Yeah. Like that was the so I did um, I did the one at uh La uh, Lardner Park. Uh, that's a twenty twenty fourteen, yeah. and I I come like seventy something, and I was like okay, and that's just after I take start taking the iron tablets. Yeah. Had an iron infusion, and then uh. Brimbank, I remember it was the best race of my life probably because of the, just how, how I went off kind of in 50th thinking, oh, I'll try and hang on to this. Yep. I moved through the field the whole way. And it's 10 miles, isn't it? Yeah. It's a long old cross country. And, and a picking tough course. People, tough course, picking people off. I think I came like 24th. Yep. And I just, I was so emotional. I was almost crying over the line because I was like, I'm back. Yeah. Yeah. Can't believe it. Another two weeks later, I've taken iron tablets. I was 12th at Bandura. Yeah. And I was, oh, yeah. And then ever since, it's just been getting PBs and just chipping away at those times. Back to, yeah. you know, back to loving it. Because I must admit, like, at the time, like, I like no one had ever heard of you. Like, we no, had one, exactly. yeah, I remember talking to Zach Newman. It was like, yeah, this guy, he runs about club, comes about 50th. Next minute, you come coming, like, 10th and then, like, 5th. And now you're, like, winning these things and we'll yeah. get to some of the big races that you won in the last couple of years. So that must have been a massive confidence boost just to know that was all sorted out and... Absolutely. getting the most out of your body. I probably, like, it's oh, it's just amazing. Honestly, that feeling of your your body just responding to uh-huh. to whatever is going on and you, you just, to, to be back, to be back at sub 15 for 5K and then pushing for that sub 30, you know, like for 10 is, I'd never thought, I remember I got an email from my old coach and he was telling me, I was talking to him about, like when I was off, off, out of shape, and I was like, I don't know what's happening. And he was just like, look, if you ever want to go sub 15 again, you're going to have to do this, that, and the other. You know, and it's the idea that I was talking about never going sub 15 again. Because you were starting, did you start looking at other things? You're like, oh, I've got to fix my diet, or I've got to do this session, yeah, or I've got yeah, to run yeah. on hills, Absolutely. or up my mileage. Like, I was just trying to work out what I was doing in England, yeah. and what I'm not doing here. And yeah, I mean, the, the change of um, coach... So when I joined Melbourne Uni, yep. uh, I didn't I didn't like the training that much. So I started doing my own stuff based on the so training I was doing back yeah. in England. So I certainly I certainly respond to that training better. So I think that was it was a slight slight disadvantage, but it's the the iron deficiency was just huge. Were you still hitting good times in training, and then when it came to races, you were no, like, I mean, everything was low. Everything was low. Like um, be doing K reps, starting off at three twenty or something. Mm. And then just not being able to go faster yeah. and just thinking, I used to do these in like 3.05 or yeah. 3 minutes. See, I found I with mine it. that I was, um, I was still hitting the occasional good session. So I'd give you for a bit the of short a... short ones. For yeah. Like, just if you do four 400s or something off like long recovery, yeah. you don't lose it for the pace. It's yeah. the longer. Yeah, I was yeah. the same. Like I could do a modified fart where it can be you know, 100, 200 off my best. and like, yeah, fair call. It's middle of a training week. Not going to hit me best times. 
but then that half marathon, I just got to 11, 12K and just, just had no energy. Like yeah, that. it's really horrible. I remember talking to Brad um, Brad Croker, we were running together, and we just kind of said, we'll just run three tens to the turnaround point and then pick up all these guys that are going out too hard. Yeah. And we just turned around and we are just hitting 315, 315, 317, and I'm like, what the hell's going on here? Like, yeah, but that's, just... not, that's not 17 minutes for 5K, though. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's still yeah. decent. And that's... that's why, yeah, it was, and that's probably why, because I was getting away with kind of solid, okay races. You're kind of a bit blinded to it until you go to the doctors and you're like, well... Yeah, iron exactly. sort this sort this stuff out. Which yeah, is, absolutely. Um, yeah, which is good. So you got the iron sorted, and you've just been strength to strength since then. Just then, it's all it's like irons, irons right, hemoglobin's right. Just all training now, you know. Mm. Just what can I do to get the chip away at those times? Yeah. Which goes to training. What about um to what's your usual week look like in training, like a Monday to Sunday? Oh yeah. Uh, so a typical week, if I've raced at the weekend, go a bit easy on the Monday. So Monday will typically be, I'll jog into uni in the morning, probably between three and five Ks. And then in the evening, I'll probably do about 13 or something. Yeah. And, and then, or sometimes 16, based on how I'm feeling. Uh, Tuesday session, typically something like Optus Oval Reps in Prince's Park, which is basically mile reps with 90 second jog recovery. Yeah, that England session back again. The yeah, day. absolutely. But not every week. Yeah, you yeah. know, so you mix it up, do laps of Prince's. Go a bit quicker. Off two minutes. Yeah, you, just, you sort of mix it up a bit. And yeah, I've actually started doing laps of the zoo. That's a really good one because you, you start up the hill. I don't know if you're familiar yeah. with the zoo. Yeah, we used to go on school camp. You know there's that urban camp? Oh, yeah. Just okay. near there. So you go to school camp and I used to run around there whenever I'd yeah, go to school okay. camp there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So basically you start, you start up the hill, you cruise down at a tempo pace, and then you try not to slow down. So as soon as you get to the bottom, you start really pushing up the hill and you tempo the top. Yeah. And it's actually doing five five laps of the zoo at, you know, like, you're actually working really hard for about three and a half minutes yeah. of, the, of the loop when you go up the hill, basically. And it's, that's a really good session. Do you get some interesting people on the, um, you know, the train line just past there? Yeah, like people yeah, sit yeah. on the train and you're like banging up the hill. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You scare the crap out of people when they're, when you're, they're cycling up the hill and you're yeah. bombing past. <laughs> dropping 250k pace straight past some yeah people. exactly I've had a guy go oh, oh I'm not racing I'm not racing he was on his bike I was like no. it's always good passing people when they're yeah, on their bikes funny, and, and it? when they look like they're half good riders as well and you're like yeah, I'm just smash <laughs> see you later yeah. yeah absolutely and then they get annoyed and try and then come past you yeah. later like I don't care mate you're on a bike yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly that's no, not yeah and then um, so t- that kind of that kind of session and then th- Thursday will be a track session so if I'm not racing at the weekend, maybe eight by a K off a minute, yep. classic. Um, Three minutes, what kind of pace are you going to hit? Yeah, oh, you're going smashing those, So I've been smashing it? those, yeah, down at sub 255s, yeah. finishing on 250. That's a great, great session. session. Really good session. And then uh, and then I know it's a bit similar to mile reps, but it's on the track, so it feels different, like two by... Does that do your oh. head in, like on the track for eight 1Ks? Not, not in the slightest, yeah. because if you feel good, you're, you're happy. Yeah. And if you feel awful, you're you you just can't wait to the end. Yeah. You're, you're never bored. Yeah. If if I was doing my easy runs on a track, I'd be bored, stupid. Yeah. But when you're doing a session, it's, people always ask me that. People, normal members of the public. Yeah. You know, how many laps did you do? And you sort of work it out. You're like, oh, including recovery, I did sort of twenty five laps or something. They're like, isn't that boring? It's like never in a session or a ten k race. I've never been bored. Bored. Yeah, no, I've race. never been bored in a ten k. But oh, I'd much rather hit up a trail that's. 1k and go up and down rather than um yeah okay i do think like eight 1k's on the track 
I think if you're not a track runner, then mm. then I'd I'd be more inclined to do that. But I think getting your body used to go around yeah. the corner, especially because I'm I I love the five k yeah. and the ten k's on the track. So you, and you it's can't, a good way to run fast, like exactly. You know, on a cross country course, you kind of hit three hundred two, three hundred fives kind of thing, and yeah, but yeah. it's no hiding on the track. You go quick, and you've got it. Yeah, and then going back to the sessions. So the Thursday session is um, uh, I'd also do throwing some 400 sessions like we did this classic one uh from my old coaches tim and pauline back in back in norwich um it's 12 12 by 400 uh first six at at 5k pace off 30 seconds recovery the next four is 3k pace off 45 the last two is 1500 pace off a minute so you're getting that increased recovery and you run you run sort of almost 5k's at least 5k pace and yeah. you're also you're ticking all the boxes that's a great session and also you then after you finish the 1500 pace ones you jog very slowly a lap maybe in three or four minutes yeah and you just whatever you've got you blast around for one, one more, last one, 400. one more last all out 400 that's a big session and i i usually do about 62 or something for that last one but Last time I did it, I did a sub sixty. Sub sixty. I was just like, "That's that's beautiful." It's yeah. such a nice feeling, finishing a great session and then like banging out a sub sixty lap. So, do you ever think of that last rep in the main set? You're like, "Ah, oh, do you think about that?" Or you know, no, no, that's the like, point. Okay. That's the point. You have such a long recovery. Yeah. Like that's to, like a different session. It's altogether. a different session, and you just don't think about it. You give it everything in that last fifteen yeah. pace. So usually I'm down around like sixty two, sixty three for those two. If I'm if I'm nailed it, basically. Yeah. So yeah, normally I aim for sort of 68, 69s for the 5k yeah. pace and then 66s for the 3k pace and then sub 64s for the 15s. Yeah. And then, yeah, if we can get it down to a minute, that last one, that's a, that's one of my favourite sessions actually. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's Thursday. So that's Thursday. So track session Thursday. And then Fridays, jog to uni, maybe jog back from uni if, you know, some, occasionally I'll ride in on a Monday with all my stuff for the week. Yeah. So I'd actually cycle in and then run home via the parks yep. so I live on Royal Parade which yep. is really good for running around Royal Park and Prince's um, get a bit fed up with Prince's the amount of laps I do around there yeah. but um, yeah and then so Friday I'd probably run 5k's maybe maybe 10 yep. if I'm racing on Sunday I'll, I'll get in 16 or something yep. like I did last Friday I think I got in yeah I think I got in 16 last Friday because racing today today yeah yeah, and then and then normally Saturday's tempo if I'm not racing. Yeah. Tempo ten k. Ten k. Classic. Ever yeah. do any more, any less? I've done half marathon. Tempo. Tem- tempo half marathon. I've done that twice. It's horrible. Around yeah. Princess Park. Around Prinny, just five yeah. five laps or whatever. Like, oh dear me. Like, yeah, the ten. Oh, hang on, how many laps? Uh, is it? It's, it's a yeah, mile six. around, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's um no, it's uh, thirteen laps. It's just under two miles around. Oh, is it? Sorry. Yeah. So yeah, to do um yeah the half marathon was six, and then you do half lap. Yeah, six and a half. Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty, that's pretty rough doing that. But the ten k is just over three laps. Yeah, that that feels good and try and get them down. I got them down to around thirty one thirty. But and you, do you do those like what staying control, but staying still control but hard. hard. Yeah. yeah, you want it to be over after five k, which I think is uh, okay. Yeah, is a good sign that you're you you're doing a good workout. Or that's what I always think. Like halfway through the session, like I want to stop. Yeah, if I'm doing a good session. But you know you've got enough to carry on, basically. Yeah. You know, and you know you've got enough. For you, oh god, it'd be nice to be done. I can't wait to be done. Yeah, because uh, yeah, you don't want that coming too soon or too late. Because yeah. then you've you've either undercooked it or overcooked it. Yeah. basically. 
And then, so that's Saturday, then a long run Sunday. Yeah, but compared to you marathoners, like, <laughs> it's certainly not a long run. Chan to you earlier about this, like, so mine goes from either like half marathon to 24Ks. Yeah. And my record ever is 27Ks. And I nearly died, so yeah, I was just, oh, just ran out of energy completely. Running's amazing like that, though, isn't it? That some people like you've banged out what sixty six low half marathon. What's your PB? Sixty six thirty six. Yeah. yeah so Coast. yeah, off the back of only running twenty seven k once. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Like, I mean, yeah. I'd, I'd go more. So my typical run is twenty four k's. Yeah. At like four twenty pace. So you're running for like an hour forty five. Yeah. Whereas, you know, you're only running just over an hour for uh, half. Yeah. So I think it's, I think that's fine. Yeah. And yeah, logistically, that probably makes um, perfect sense. Like you're doing, yeah, 35 minutes more than your race pace. You're training your body to be on your feet for much longer than the race pace. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. It seems, it seems to tick all the boxes, but I haven't talked to, talked to you guys. I'm now thinking, oh, maybe I need to chuck in a 30Ks. It'd be interesting to see there. just what happened, like, yeah, yeah. how you'd run. I don't know, because then I have to go a bit easier on Monday. Yeah. So, yeah. I I'd don't... say what you're doing at the moment's working for you. Exactly. So. If, just as when I plateau, I think that's when that's when it'll yeah I'll start mixing up a bit. It's but, pretty exciting though, because there's so many things that you could play around with. Like it's not like you know what I mean. You could chuck in some of those longer runs and just see you might find it improves or change a diet a bit and like there's so many little things you can tinker and then still possibly you know, take that next step, get low 29s, get 28 and a half or... 28 and a half, that's a bit of a jump. Yeah, you never know. Like it's, <laughs> yeah, you um, never know, yeah, it's true. Like all those guys who are running 28 and a half today, they're all, they're all banging out big long runs like it's... Yeah, it's true. Yeah, big I, know, I need to do it. Like you're, yeah. But in saying that, you might, your body might be optimal doing what you're doing at the moment. Like it's... Well, I mean, I'd, I always think like the most important thing is staying injury free. Yeah. So when you've had a bad race... I always say to people who've had a bad race, but you're injury free. Yeah. Like you be positive about yeah. it. You've just done a good training session yeah. and like it may not have gone to plan, but you're injury free, like that's when you moan is when yeah. you're injured. That's what I was thinking about today. I'm like, ah, it would have been good like thirty <laughs> seconds quicker than like, hey, you're injury free. Come down here to Launceston in, you know, three months time and bang out a good one then. Like there's exactly, always yeah. another race if you're injury free. It's exactly. when you're injured. Yeah, there's not another race. You can't even train like yeah, it's, um, it's just yeah. awful. Yeah. Nah, so that's pretty good. Let's talk about some of these, like you've definitely taken another step the last twelve months. Win at win at Cabri Half Marathon. Yeah, that was um I think I think because I actually had a bit of a knee prob knee problem uh during during sort of September, August, September, and, you know, I was a little bit niggly here and there, and I actually, I thought, oh, maybe I should actually see someone, because I, I literally had never been to a physio before. Yeah. And I saw this uh, this sprinter in our club, um, my friend Lee, has been seeing him, um, Seamus, Seamus Hayes, his name is, and he's a myotherapist, and I'm like, no idea what myotherapy is, never heard of it. And then I sort of read about it and saw it's a kind of in between kind of a, a masseuse, masseuse, masseuse yeah. and, uh, and a physio. And he sort of, they look at your sort of how your body aligns, etc. And then Lee just, he's chronically injured and Seamus actually had him running. And I was like, if he's got Lee running, that's really, he must be, he must be good. Working wonders. And he did, uh, and he did like half prize for MUAC, uh, Melbourne Uni yep. athlete. So I was like, oh, let's, let's go see Seamus and, he basically just said, "There's something, there's something in my in my uh, glute just round the back. Um, I don't know. I can't remember what it was called, but he stuck his elbow in it. 
for about half an hour and it hurt like hell. I was like almost in tears, but you know, it, and then it just felt really weird the next few days, but it, my knee injury just evaporated overnight basically. And then I felt like my, my leg was kind of detached from my body because it'd been so tight for so many years and he just loosened it up in one hour. Like, cause he's a, he's a sprinter, he's six foot five and hundred kg. So like, it's just, yeah, my, my, my body didn't know what just happened. And my leg felt like it was slapping around because it'd been so used to just being tight and kind of hard that suddenly it's all loose and yeah, felt very strange. But a week later I was, I was back training because before then, bit of a hip niggle, it certainly wasn't enough to not train which is which is great, but thinking back, actually, it's better to be giving 100% in your sessions rather than having to take some ibuprofen and then sort of going 90% for the first couple of reps and then maybe going up to sort of 98% effort, but you're always thinking about my hip or my yeah. knee or whatever. And then so I think... I think that's when I... kidneys with the... Um, yeah, no good for the kidneys. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. And then the stomach issues yeah. that you get with taking that stuff. So, like... I mean, so I think, yeah, during October, I think I went to see him, November time. And then since then, like, training injury-free, you go that, you go 100% and you've got no worries other than your session. Well, training well injury-free, like, that's a Training, thing, yeah. exactly. Hitting so, good sessions every week. So that was a few weeks before falls. And then, yeah, I was, I was in really good shape and thing, and then did that 3K uh, the the Vic Milers 3K and didn't have a good one. I just tactically messed it up. And then it was pretty miserable. It was really hot. For you the, still ran like, just to let the listeners know, would you run 8.20? 8.21, I think. Yeah, yeah so pretty was, sick. But that was five, still five, a nice time. five seconds off a PB, so I was pretty yeah. annoyed. And with things that have gone wrong, though, it's still a relatively... Yeah, but it still kind of felt like a sideways slash step. backwards step. Yeah. You know, and then that, and then I had a 5K the, the week later. That was the the Vic five k champs, and I was I was thinking I was in shape for a PB, which is fourteen eighteen, and ended up running just like fourteen thirty nine, because I don't deal with the heat being a pom. Yeah. Like it was thirty five degrees or something, yeah. and I just really struggled. And I knew that these the conditions and me racing it badly wasn't a reflection of my fitness, but you know running just gets in your head, and I was just thinking, oh maybe I'm not that fit. But I've got Zatapec coming up, which is the big one. Yeah. You know, always, all rows point to Zatapec when you're a 10K runner. Yeah. And um, that had just miserable weather as well. It was super cold and uh, Wind, windy. Wind, yeah. Windy as hell. And, and like, um, I went off too fast. And and then uh, Toby Rayner and Josh Harris came up from behind halfway through the race. And I just couldn't get on the train. I was trying to get on the Toby train. Josh rode the, the Toby <laughs> train the whole way around for a big PB and I uh, ended up going slower than I did the year before by 10 seconds so I ran 30 uh, 30.08 I think and I was very disappointed and I was thinking that that doesn't reflect my fitness so I was just very disappointed in that but then I had that Steigen race the Geelong yep, 10K. Geelong another 10k just 9 days later but I always I always seem to recover from racing really quickly so I, I can do quick turnarounds and having actually my Confidence was pretty high for generally because five, three days after that 5K champs in November, I did the city to sea race. That's right, yeah. And I just, you know, I still felt the the 5K in the legs. Yeah. 
but I managed to win yeah. the City to Sea, which is just unbelievable. So that was, yeah, massive fun run. Everyone who runs will be familiar with that fun run. You know, yeah. Big prize, big field. Absolutely. You know, iconic Melbourne. Like, take that run for the kids, Melbourne Marathon Festival. Like That'd be the big three. Big three, yeah. Wouldn't they? Like, yeah. And it's hard to win those races because yeah, yeah. you've got so many elite athletes. And when there's a good, like, especially in Melbourne, when there's a good prize up for grabs, it's a fair chance there's someone who's been a world champs or Olympics or Com Games that's gonna. They normally show up. It's gonna they? rock up, yeah. But I think it goes. You have like a year on, year off. So basically, one year is is really lean, and then all the all the big boys think, oh, I could just jog around next year yeah. and win. So they all show up the next year. The year after that, like, oh, not good enough. I'm not gonna bother. Yeah. And then so no one shows up. So someone like me wins, and oh, then I next mean, year, next year, yeah. your Liam Adams, your your Collis Birmingham is gonna be like, oh, I want those free flights. Right. If Nick Earl's winning it one year, I'm going to sell it. I don't take anything. Yeah, but still, you're, you're in good form and you're trying Yeah, absolutely. Well. No, it's a great confidence yeah. booster winning a big road race. In, I think I was just, I think I was running 304s or something for the 15Ks or something. Like, real, yeah. real Smash good stuff. It. And I was I was running with Dave Thomas from the Tassie Guy yeah. for, for most of it, but managed to, like, pull away in the last couple of Ks. So that was a big confidence booster. So I knew I had that in my legs for a good 10K and Zatapeg was such a disappointment, but jump into Steigen and then Jordan Guzman, Mitch Brown, I heard them before the race saying, you take two laps, I'll take two laps at 70 seconds. I was like, right, okay, let's see how long I can hang on to 255s. And the story goes that I hung on for eight Ks, got dropped and I absolutely blew a gasket, ran a 3.15, 1k to go I'm thinking right so a 315 when you've been you've done 8k at 255 8k at 255 and then a 315 a 315 that's the how wheels are fully come off come yeah. off and then suddenly you get a second wind last k 252 coming in in, in a club record of uh, 2934 it was just unreal yeah yeah absolutely it's just amazing yeah to go back to talking about 5Ks with low iron at um, yeah. 17 and a half minutes, oh. and now you're running 29.34. Yeah, exactly. The, the difference is unbelievable. So I think, you know, if I tell anyone these days, if, you're, if you've got an unexplained patch of form, go get your blood checked out. Because I've never even heard of low iron in, yeah. in 30-year-old blokes before. Never thought that would be a factor, the fact that this metal can make such a difference to a human being. Yeah. And they're running absolutely bizarre did you find that result was kind of like redemption from the you know you in your words the bad 3k yeah 5k 5k yeah and it was yeah. just like this is a fair reflection of my fitness so it was, it was uh yeah really really good no taking 24 seconds off a of pb yeah and that would have been the space of like two months two yeah within two, two months of one city to see you ran 29 and a half yeah yeah know, yeah absolutely. And then it's up to falls creek yeah you know, and that was, uh, I had a really good stint up there. So I was, um, yeah, so, um, so Ben, Ben Buckingham, actually, he had a really good run at the, the, the Vic Myler's yeah. 3K. I think he ran 8.11 or something amazing. So I was, I was thinking, oh, if I can stick to Ben in these sessions, I'm doing well. And uh, yeah, I was absolutely blowing him out. Of the, I hope he's listening. I'm yeah. blowing, blowing him out of the water. Mate, I don't know if anyone's going to listen to this. It's probably just me and you going to listen to it, and that's it. Nah, yeah, we'll, yeah. Hopefully, I'll, hopefully I'll send it to him anyway. Yeah. <laughs> just to let you know, at the like 38 minute mark, we mentioned your name. Have a listen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, no, I was, I was actually, I remember, so I was up there for two weeks, and the last session I did was at uh, Mount Mackay 8 by. Uh, 800 hill reps yeah 
And on the last one, I was I was really in Dave McNeil. I actually went past him. And I was thinking, oh, here we go. Now, this I'm hit the big time now. But then he uh, he saw me go past him and was like, forget this. And he absolutely smashed it for the rest of the rep and beat me by about five metres or something. But I remember thinking, like, oh, I'm actually, give me a few more weeks up here. And I reckon I might actually be able to hang on to the big boys for a yeah. bit longer. So, yeah, but then back down to sea level, back down to doing work and stuff. Um, yeah, came down to Tassie. Yeah, um, Hobart, yeah. Hobart, yeah, um, for the Cadbury half marathon where I was running with um, uh, John Peters. Yep. And, um, yeah, just just ran, just worked with him. We are training the lead and we dropped everyone else. And, yeah, I felt good. So I pushed home strong in the last 6K or so and um, managed to do 67 minutes flat on the on the hilly course. Yep. So just yeah. missing out on a PB by 20-odd seconds. on a, And that's compared to Gold Coast where I had a perfect sit the whole way. Yep. It's flat as a pancake. This is a hilly course, and like, there's a bit of wind around. I was taking a lot of the, the, the lead, so... Yep. Yeah, it's really, really good shape. And what's next for, like, the season and stuff? So, um, oh, I, I mean, there's not much... That we were chatting yeah. earlier about there's not much on this year. So, I mean, just just, just a godsend, these uh, Tassie races. Yeah, they are. Yeah, really, Lucky. really good. So, I, yeah, obviously today was, uh, was, um, was a target. Yeah. Um, it's a 30-0... 30.08. So I was very disappointed at that time. That's the same time I got Zatapec. Yeah. So, but Zatapec doesn't have four hills in it. Exactly. Yeah. Different different race. And it was it was great because I was, I was running along with the big boys yeah. for 5Ks until the bridge. And that just, I popped on the bridge a little bit. And then Kevin Bat came up behind, worked with him for, for the, I managed to get him in the last couple of Ks. So yeah. it was very satisfying. And, Oh, hearing Dave McNeil say that they were jogging the first 5k after the race was a bit of a yeah a bit of a blow but you know but these are some <laughs> of the best runners that Australia's ever produced yeah, like, these exactly. are you know top end elite guys and you're sitting in the lead pack with them at 5k like it's yeah, got to be confidence boosting going oh, and you're, yeah. you're mixing it oh it's amazing just yeah just in the pack with, with those boys Dave McNeil Liam Adams Collis yeah. Birmingham running next, next, next to me it's just like oh what's going on and then hanging in for 5k yeah it just yeah and hopefully next time i can hang in for 7k's you know and then then hopefully get to the end yeah with these boys like in a couple of years hopefully you know just got to keep uh keep chipping away so talking about a couple of years will you run a marathon or you're oh. gonna stick to 5k 10k half marathon stuff the domestic season yeah, I mean, once the times are still going down, I think I'd be an idiot to jump into a marathon too soon, but I'm 32 now, so, you know, it's got to be in the next couple of years. For but sure. your training age, like, you haven't been banging yeah, out big, you know what I mean? Like, you might be 32, but, I'd, yeah, I'm 29, and I reckon I've trained bigger Ks than you have, and I've oh, probably sure, more yeah. damage on the body than... I mean, I don't, I mean, I didn't start till I was 22, and I started doing big Ks, like, three years ago, and that's, like, 120s. Yeah. Which yeah. isn't, you know, it's kind which of, isn't actually yeah. that big case. So, yeah, uh, yeah, it's probably, there's a lot more to come. Basically, mm. it's exciting, you know, it's mm. it's, it's very addictive. But, um, you know, obviously, you've got to make a living. So I need to get a new contract, uh, get a new post up, hopefully in Melbourne but, yeah. or, or Hobart. That'd be that'd be great. So let's talk about that now. So you um, was it this week? There was a picture of you in the age. Oh, yeah, so... Uh, I was sitting at work flicking through and I thought, oh, there's a familiar face. Don't see too many distance runners in the age when you're reading the um, paper at Smoker. Yeah, yeah, so, um, yeah, basically, so my work is looking at weekly cycles in, in meteorological parameters, so anything in, within, like, 
the rain or the wind even, but the main one's temperature. Yep. So so basically because everyone drives their cars in the in the cent- city centres and there's more people in the city centres during the week, there's actually a, a measurable change in the temperature. So it's actually warmest uh, on a th- Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and uh, it's coolest on a Sunday, especially in the morning because during at 9 o'clock in the morning... During the week, it's very busy in the CBD, whereas on a Sunday, it's, it's a ghost town. And that's okay. reflected in the, the average temperature is 0.3 degrees cooler at that time of day than it is on on the weekday. So is that just from pollution? Is heating the pollution, car pollution, public it's tra- it's transport? Ca- it's just waste heat, mainly, from, from cars, basically. So you got on a hot day, you've probably been. I've been sat on a, on my bike waiting at traffic lights and just been blasted by someone's aircon. It's already forty degrees, and you you've got someone's aircon blasting you in the face. It's pretty miserable. Um, so it's basically that. Just over the last sixty years, that's I've got data data for, and it's on average zero point three degrees cooler on a Sunday morning than it is during the week, which is pretty 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 interesting. And it's uh, I've had quite a lot of media attention. So I had a new scientist article written about it and um, the age saw the new scientist article and they phoned me up and asked for an interview and I was and they were like oh we're going to need a picture so I pointed them towards my twitter yeah. and um but they were like oh no no we need we need uh, you to come and do a photo shoot and I was thinking oh that's that's ridiculous but you know I was well up for it obviously and um and they said oh when are you going to be in the CBD and I said oh I can go down at any time basically but kind of want to go on Sunday morning to portray how empty it is and so last Sunday I actually had the Shield final so that was where I had that terrible run three yeah. years ago in the 5k so I had the uh, steeplechase in the 1500 and um, so I was cycling through the CBD at 8 o'clock on Sunday and then met with the photographer who took all these pictures which went in the age <laughs> it was great so that's um, good for your long run though on a Sunday it's uh, most people long run days that's good to have it a bit cooler yeah, well, yeah. If you're in the city, <laughs> in the it city. actually would make a difference. Yeah, yeah it, it definitely does. So talking about that kind of um, global warming stuff, does your role touch on any of that stuff? Like looking at all this weather stuff, surely you'd have an opinion and have stats and have knowledge about, you know, we just spoke before at breakfast about some people just don't believe in it and it's got all this data and what's yeah, your absolutely. thoughts on it? Oh, well, it's, it's absolutely, it's, there's no argument. And there's no, any scientist who is arguing that it's not our fault this this global warming is is unpublished because he can't it's such flawed science that it can't get f- through the peer review process so you never hear in the scientific community these people like there's no climate skeptics in the scientific community because the, they just know it's, it's as simple as if we're putting more carbon dioxide in the air that is what keeps the earth warmer basically it's what so I think it's the, based on where the sun, the sun, the earth is away from the sun, the average temperature on earth should be minus 13 degrees, but it's actually 13 or 14 degrees. And the only reason that is because of our atmosphere, because of greenhouse gases. And that's exactly what it's doing. It's a greenhouse. So we put more greenhouse gases up in the atmosphere. It's the equivalent of thickening the windows on a greenhouse. So what's that going to do? It's going to heat it up. That's exactly what's going on on planet Earth. And you get all these people wanting to burn coal. Yeah. And that's just going to thicken these windows. It means let, the heat can't escape, basically. All the sun's radiation can get in. It can't get out. 
So that's yeah, greenhouse is getting hotter and hotter. It's getting yeah. hotter and hotter, and it's it's just it's not slowing down. I mean, and governments, you know, you, you got not to get political, but you nah, got all these people with um, political agendas when it comes to coal. And well, the coal know, companies are sponsoring the um, well, exactly the government parties, and then their government parties are approving coal developments. And oh, it's just it's absolutely dreadful. Like, I mean, and in, I don't know what I don't know what's in their heads. They're literally just looking away. They, they money. They're, oh, that's, but the thing is that, you know, if they have kids and stuff and their yeah. grandkids are going to suffer. And they're smart people, though. Like, they're, they're intelligent people. I honestly, like I honestly don't believe these people are climate skeptics. They just pretend to be because it's convenient. Yeah. And it does my head in because as a scientist, like, you know, there's a lot of brilliant climate scientists that get, that lose their jobs because the government are no longer, no, yeah. long, no funding. longer funding it. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, these are great Australian scientists. Yeah. These should be praised. We should be worshipping these people. Who are doing the right thing. They're doing the right thing. And all they've done is they were interested in science as kids. You know, you know they, you, trying to get school kids into science. And these kids were into science. And they were the best. Yeah. So they went and did their, their PhD postdoc. And then, you know, they, they go into science. And then they get absolutely smashed by the media. And I mean, because my stuff actually isn't to do with climate change. It's all to do with how we affect the climate on a day-to-day. Yeah. So that's that's actually a lot less political. So I think that's the age might you know think twice about you know posting you know getting scientists in talking about climate change per yeah. se. Whereas mine was, it's just an interesting topic. Yeah, but then you kind of read newspaper reports, and being a teacher, you read and see things on the news about um, you know, our science scores are down or our math scores are down. Like the kids aren't as progressing as much as other countries in, but. When we speak about look how the best scientists in Australia are being treated, exactly, and that follow, there's no there's yeah. no jobs like in climate science. Oh, there there is, but there's not as many as there should be because we really need to get hold of what's going to happen. Because, I mean, there's all talk about this is one point five. So you know, when I was talking about the Earth is meant to be minus thirteen degrees, yeah, if we didn't have an atmosphere, but it's actually thirteen or fourteen degrees. We're actually now one point five degrees warmer than we should be because of greenhouse gases. So we should, and, we, and we're just making it worse. And the climate is going crazy. And no one can argue that we've had more extreme floods, yeah. heat waves. That's all to do with climate change. Yeah. I mean, the, the heat wave we've recently had in New South Wales, there's a really good few scientists in, based at Melbourne Uni in New South Wales. And, and they actually came up with uh, this statistic saying this, this heat wave could have happened without human-induced climate change. But if we've made it twice as likely... So we've doubled the likelihood of having an extreme heat wave like we've just seen in New South yeah. Wales. So that's there's literally twice as many. It's it's crazy. Because that's what you hear sometimes. They're like, oh, but it comes around every 200 years. It just gets hot for a while, then cold for a while. And we don't have data from 500 years ago. Like exactly. all this and stuff. And when they chuck out this stat saying it was hot 100,000 years ago, it's like, yeah, but we were closer to the sun at that time. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a cycle. We're on this elliptical orbit. So sometimes you're closer to the sun, sometimes you're further away. And at the moment, we're meant to be cold. Okay, we're meant yeah. to be actually, you know, during a, a colder period, we're meant to be going into a sort of glacial period over the next few thousand years. Yeah. You know, not, 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 un, you know, not as hot as we've ever been. That's just, it's completely human's fault. But yeah, it's just, there's too many agendas 
in um, in people with the political power, unfortunately, and yeah. they've just they just ignore the climate science. It's a, what's it post truth age. They're just saying, oh, what? I can't remember which politician it was just saying, oh, I don't believe in climate change. You know, it's based on nothing. It's just my opinion. It's like, well, how is that an argument? You're just saying, oh, it's my opinion. It's like you. <laughs> It's the equivalent of tapping someone on the shoulder and running away when you're, you're only having a conversation. It's just, it's stupid. And you've been to, um, I know when we went over to Europe last year, like just some of the measures in place, like Germany, like the amount of people riding bikes there. And it's beautiful. You, you, couldn't, it? you couldn't buy plastic, like anything in plastic. Like it was, um, every soft drink would be a glass bottle. People are taking their glass bottles to the supermarket. Yeah, they're putting yeah, them yeah. in the machine. They're getting money back as a refund, like smart cars everywhere. Amsterdam, like parking meters where you charge your cars up, like exactly. It's, you come back and you're just like, whoa! Like we've got a couple of solar panels on our house, which is good. Like saves heaps on the bills. I'm sure people throw rocks at them, you know. And then... Yeah, they're, they're on our little back house, yeah, there, so yeah, no yeah. one can see them from the road, which is good. So, um, thing is, though, the fr- really frustrating thing is we've got a few energy scientists in our department as well, and basically Australia. If you think about it, there's you know Tassie gets plenty of wind. You could you could power Tassie with wind energy. And the, the, the desert in the middle of Australia, you could stick some solar panels there and power Australia. Just so grid it, yeah. The national resources are just unbelievable. You could be sustainable within a few years yeah. if there was the investment. You don't need coal. And I, I, I totally understand the, how sad it is because you have these, these really like, like old villages based on coal mines. And, and the jobs mine, The jobs and the, the community. I mean, that's a real shame. But I mean, it's uh, actually, it, I completely understand why yeah, people ignore it. Completely understand it. But, you know, you just got to think of your grandkids because your grandkids are going to live in a, in a world which is probably three degrees warmer than it should be. And you're going to get heat waves all the time. You're going to get just stronger cyclones. You know, it's just going to be absolute carnage. So you just got to think, okay, let's invest in renewables, get people putting solar panels on their houses, create jobs that way build wind turbines you know just just find different ways of 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 doing it but just clean energy is the future and it's just so stupid investing in coal these days and that movement's starting though isn't it like people are starting to do it themselves like if exactly. the government's not going to exactly. do it we're going to spend exactly. money on putting the solar panels on our house i think we are getting to that point where you know you've reached that tipping point where people will start doing it themselves and i think i heard that that malcolm turnbull got got a load of um solar panels or something put on his house secretly oh did he yeah, yeah it was like a tesla battery or something i saw that in the news recently i found that i found that very amusing he's all for coal saying oh bring coal in parliament blah 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 and he's actually like oh you know i could save a load of money with the solar panel <laughs> yeah it's funny but even just still simple things like the fact that people still get all their supermarket shopping in plastic bags when we know that's bad for the environment like how hard but here is it it's to... ba- here it's banned though oh like you don't get the free ones I was in the supermarket yesterday in Tassie is in it Tassie. yeah and I, there's one? no free yeah. you know you have to pay 15 cents or something and that and that's apparently because they brought that into England five pence yep. for, a, for a plastic bag and they worked out that it saved sort of about half a million bags from going into the yeah. sea so you've got, I mean, it's just, it's just sustainability. Yeah. It's just so important. It's an absolute no brainer. Yeah. You walk, do you go, when you go shopping, you bring a backpack. Yeah. You know, you don't think just about it. Just have some of those bags in the back of your car, like the reusable exactly. ones that you go and exactly. take, like it's not rocket science. Yeah. I know, I'm guilty of it. Oh, so am I, 100%. Because yeah. I know that there's going to be a plastic bag there. I don't bother thinking of it. yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, I will, if they're not there, I will certainly bring one. We went and watched a doco, Carly, my partner and I, and it was, um, 
yeah, this plastic free Chukamalama group put it on and you watched the doco and had this discussion about it. And until you know the facts about where the plastic goes and how it affects the environment, you're yeah. just like, wow, and how many bags have I got from the supermarket in the last... Yeah, I know. And now, like, we'll be at the supermarket and we'll forget our bags and can't, we come out, like, juggling because we're like, no, nah, we definitely don't want a plastic bag. Like, yeah, it's, all right. That's we're kind great. of a bit stubborn about it. But it's funny, like, the people at the supermarket still... They almost insist. It's like, no, no, you've got a watermelon. We'll, we'll put that in two plastic bags. You're like, no, no, please don't do that. No, 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 we'll, we'll do it. Yeah, like, they do. It's like they're trying to get rid of them, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It's like they're getting their own commission to yeah. get rid of these bags. Exactly. Yeah, I find that. They sort of, they put, they put bags around anything. And then they also, like, you know, you have a, some apples in and then they'll use a separate bag for, like, some oranges. Like, no, 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 that's fine. Stick them all in. Stick yeah. them all in. And we're the same. Like, we'll go and fill our basket with, you know, five apples, ten bananas, kiwi fruit, stuff like that. And then but we won't put them in the little plastic bag that keeps them together. And yeah. then it's almost like the checkout girls get a bit annoyed because they're coming through and they've got to put them on and weigh them. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, yeah. They're thinking, why don't you just put but these in a little plastic bag and keep them together? But it's like, education though, it isn't is. it? Yeah. As soon as cause you watch the doco about what yeah. happens to plastic bags and you're just now like, got you, you understand it. And that's yeah. it's just people don't, people just aren't educated. They don't think about it. And because I had a mate who's just been to India and then I was saying, like, India from the TV just looks like an absolute hole. Yeah. And he was saying, like, yeah, okay, it's amazing culturally, blah, 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 but it is filthy. And he said that he saw this guy just chucked a plastic bag out of the train window, and he actually went up to him and went, what do you think is going to happen to that? And he was like, oh, it's okay, it's gone, it's gone, it's not on the train, it's fine. He was like, yeah, but where do you think it's gone? And he was like, oh, it's just, in, it's just outside. It's like, yeah, but then what do you think happens to it? It's just going to sit there for for 100 years. Yeah. Until and some animal eats it and then exactly. kills the animal, yeah. It's just like, it's just, it's just they're just not educated. No. Uh, you know, you just need to, yeah, exactly. And climate change is exactly the same thing. Well, our health is kind of the same thing as well. Like the most exactly. two important things to me is my own health and well, people close to me's health as well and our environment. Like, no, exactly. without those two things, I'm gone. There's no point yeah, having no point. an awesome pair of running shoes or an awesome house or whatever if I don't have an earth to live on and my body to live in. Well, yeah, if you're going to get if you're gonna get philosophical, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but you think yeah, about yeah. it and then We've two got things... one planet. Like, exactly right. People are talking about going to Mars. It's like, what, what the hell? Earth is a hell of a lot better. What yeah. are we talking about? <laughs> but yeah, we don't educate ourselves on the food we put in our body or the yeah. way we live our life or what happens exactly. when we turn the PowerPoint on. What does that mean, burning? somewhere like it's yeah you just oh it's just like oh, yes it's just like a it's kid a, weird, a, yeah. a kid would say oh i think my mum's a teacher and she asked her kids where do you think that apple came from she went they, they all went the shop you know they didn't yeah. think of the big picture they're just like oh well what happened where did the shop get it from they're like oh you know and they start thinking you know that's what we kind of need yeah we need adults to do that kind of thing yeah. as well yeah yeah it's, it's funny. funny it's funny funny rightio mate i think we've nearly covered everything where can people um if they want to keep track of your running, Strava. Strava, obviously. 500 yeah. followers, is that right? 558, I think. <laughs> Smashing it. Watch it, just Nick Earl on that. Yeah, Nick Earl, Melbourne Uni, you should find me. Yeah. And then what about um, Instagram? Twitter? Uh, yeah, tw- Twitter and Instagram. It's uh, Nick underscore O underscore Earl. Yep. So nice and simple, and that's the same for uh, Instagram as well. Beautiful. It's always good when you keep them all the same. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Easy to find it. <laughs> Thanks for your time, mate, and we'll yeah, cheers, uh, yeah, good luck for the rest of the year running. Yeah, and yourself. Beautiful, thank you.
There you go. That was Nick Earl. Thanks for tuning in to another week's show. A um, few developments coming in the next couple of weeks. Got a few big names that I've been... Uh, one of them contacted me, actually, which was good. And... Um, yeah, really looking forward to bringing those shows to you. As I said last week, if you've got a chance, jump on iTunes and throw me a review. It just helps me get the show out there a bit more. Thanks to all the people who have put up Facebook statuses and shared my um, my Facebook page and things like that. Really appreciate it. As I said, it's good to be able to bring you this content and I really just want to get it into as many ears as possible. Anyway, enjoy the rest of your week. Thanks uh, for tuning in once again. Cheers. Bye. And the hardest thing that I've got to do Is learn how to unlove you
when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.